Thank you very much indeed, Chica. Let us pray together. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see Jesus in all his glory. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen to what you have to say to us. And open my mouth, Lord, that I may speak your truth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, many of you will have heard that I'm a granddad again, and I can't stop talking about it because I'm uh, delighted about it. Willow Harmony Rose, and I'm looking forward to uh, flying out to the States later this week to go and give her a granddad cuddle. And uh, I can't help but think, though, when you have a tiny baby uh, and you're thinking about that child, what sort of world that child is going to grow up in. And it does concern me. It concerns me because, of course, we have concerns about our environment that we want to try and do something about. We have concerns, particularly with a child in the USA. I worry about the shootings that we hear about in the USA. I worry about the rise of gun and knife crime. Uh, then there is the rise of... Uh, drug addiction and other kinds of uh, alcohol dependence. Uh, there's all sorts of other things. There is the conflict there is in the world at the moment. We think about what's going on at the moment um, in uh, Sudan, for example, and what's happening in Ukraine. There are many other things that I'm sure will cross your mind when you think about the future. Like social media is one of the things that I think is perhaps uh, a gift. It came about in 19, uh, 2007 when it really kind of uh, took off. And now we're discovering that there is a murky world attached to it as well. The unhealthy social pressures, particularly upon our young people, when people start to get addicted to their mobiles or their devices... And there's all the fake news that goes with that whole environment. How do we communicate the good news of the gospel in the context of the world that we're actually living in? How do we do that in relevant ways for our families, our friends, for our workmates and those beyond as well? How do we convey in that confused world a sense of hope how do we help to transform, to make a difference in the world so that the generations that are yet to come and grow up will perhaps grow in a, a better world than, than we have at the moment? Despite the challenges of this cynical age, I believe it's vital that Christians today and the church of which we are a part have the confidence and the courage to enter into the marketplace of ideas, to actually bring about something different in the world. In a moment, we're going to uh, focus on Acts of the Apostles. I'm so, I didn't want Ali to be ill, but I'm glad she was ill when this passage was the chosen passage because it's a passage I, I love. And I want to begin by thinking about the importance of us looking and listening. 
Before I came to uh, this church, uh, stationed as a minister, I was at Loughton Methodist Church. Uh, Bob Pritchard knows it, and Philippa Muir knows it here in uh, this church. But uh, that church has a wonderful building, because when it was redeveloped, it was redeveloped with glass all the way down one side on the high street side of the church. And I love it because it means when you're worshipping, you're looking out on the real world as you worship. But also, what's also very important, is the real world can actually see what's going on in the church, can see the church at worship. And you can see shoppers going past as people are lost in wonder, love and praise. You see, the worshipping community shouldn't be hidden behind closed doors. It's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate to get cameras in this church like we have in the chapel, because by actually conveying to the world what goes on in worship, it's though we are having our own window on the high street so people can see. But also to be a relevant church, we need to be looking and listening at what's happening in the world. John Wesley was always outward looking. He was desperate to get the message out to where people were, and he was relevant to their needs as well as he went out to the marketplaces. He was concerned not just about the gospel, he was concerned about physical needs and uh, the mind and lots of other things as well. Mission starts with us looking and listening. And it's vital that we don't spend all our time as a church in a holy huddle Although that's important because it is where we nurture the Christian community. It's where we grow and we thrive. But we also go out to where we came from, looking and listening, being faithful disciples of Christ in relevant, practical ways. One of the things I think we have to rediscover is the art of contemplation in the world because there's such a fast world with social media and all the things that are going on. We're picking up our phones all the time, but when do we step back and just contemplate what's happening, Lord? Look, listen. How do we engage with the world that we're in? How do we actually spend time with people who are not Christians and just be the people God's called us to be and ooze the love of Christ and be helpful to them in practical and loving ways? Let's look at Acts 17. As I say, it's a favorite passage of mine. Uh, Pursued by antagonists, Paul is escorted to the sophisticated city of Athens. And it was there that having time alone, he looks and he listens and becomes disturbed by a culture that's full of idols. He takes time to examine the religious symbols that there are around and about, and he reads the literature of the day that preoccupied people. And just as a good advertising agency knows its market, before it communicates, Paul is looking and listening at the community that he's in so that the church, so that he could be relevant as he communicates. And I think we need to learn a lesson from Paul in this circumstance, to look and observe what's going on in the world 
Bring that to our worship so that we go out equipped to serve. Too often, I think, the church, in its communicating, is answering questions that people are not actually asking. How can we work out what people are asking so that we can communicate well and be effective? So looking and listening. The second challenge here in this passage is to engage with a confused world. In our reading from Acts of the Apostles, uh, we heard how Paul, while he was waiting for uh, Silas and Timothy to join him, seizes the opportunity to talk about Jesus where he was, uh, particularly uh, about the resurrection, about anybody who will listen. But he exercises wisdom here in how he communicates in that context. Earlier in the chapter, we read these words. Paul reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with the people who happened to be there. Paul was constantly learning about the Athenian community. He was prepared to face up to the possibilities and the tensions of debate and discussion. And after a dispute with one particular group, he was taken to the meeting of the Areopagus, also called Mars Hill. It was a public debating place where philosophers used to gather to exchange ideas. And, and Paul goes into that debating place. And also at the synagogues, among the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers who were hungry for new stimulation, Paul actually goes and debates with them. And he generates enough interest from that debate to earn an audience with the Greek Supreme Council. And rather than going in there and condemning all these crazy ideas that were around him, Paul commends them first for being religious in the first place. He looks for the good and he affirms it. And then what he does is he... he he uses some of their ideas. He has a, a two-way conversation, what we call a creative dialogue with them. Sometimes I think, uh, you know when you go down the high street and there's somebody with the, the speaker and the uh, uh, microphone and they're telling everybody to repent? You admire their zeal, but have you watched how people just cross over to the other side of the road and avoid because they, they find it too much, too embarrassing? One of the things I think Paul teaches us here is we can easily, by using the wrong language or pushing our ideas on people, push people away rather than building a relationship with them and earning the right to be heard. I think we've learned a lot from the past imperialistic mission days. The gospel's not about demand and conquer. It's about love, invitation and discovery with others. And so our task today, I think, is to share God's riches in Jesus Christ by being loving and sympathetic to those who are yet to see the light of Christ, but to lead them on a journey. And Paul understood what was happening around him because he listened. And what he does is he keeps quiet before he speaks. God knew what he was doing when he gave us two ears and only one mouth. Paul is prepared to start with their beliefs, their presuppositions, their questions, and then he engages with them. 
And he does so in a language that they can actually understand. So he doesn't start with Jesus, but the creator of the world. He describes God as a personal creator of the world, unlike the pantheistic gods of the Stoics of that time. He talks about the Lord of heaven and earth, not needing human support, but giving life a structure. That was very important to the Epicureans, who thought that everything came about by chance. He doesn't talk about Jesus, but he talks, if you read carefully, about a man and that man, because he wants them to say, what man? (laughs) He, He teases them, in a sense, with the language he used. He draws them in. And gradually he gets attention and he leads them on that journey of understanding. You see, previously, before he exercised this approach, we read in that passage, what is this babbler trying to say? That's what they were saying about him. Because he was talking a language that they just couldn't understand. Later on, he uses the language of the unknown God, the unknown God of their awareness, that he seeks to proclaim to them. Now, why did they label those idols as the unknown God? Well, well, they had all these idols, and they didn't want to leave any God out, so they labeled it the unknown God so that they wouldn't upset any malevolent God that they hadn't actually labeled with a statue. But what he does, he talks about making known the unknown God. He uses poetry that they were reading at the time. He quotes things that they would recognize. And he uses skill in his language. But he leads them to talk eventually about God and Jesus Christ, his Savior. Paul's God cannot be crafted by human hands. And so in verses 30 and 31, Paul proclaims that that God now demands uh, repentance. He's a personal God. The man appointed uh, by God and authenticated by being raised is this man that we need to listen to, and he will judge the world. I think we can learn an awful lot from Paul, how he engaged with the world. So he looked and he listened. He engaged with all sorts of confused ideas, but then he takes the opportunity to broadcast the good news. Do you know, in this age of fake news, and I've been listening to a program on Radio 4 recently, some of you might have been listening about self-proclaimed gurus and the rise in people who will just about believe anything if they set themselves up as a life coach or expert. How do we judge whether something is true or not? In the world of social media, one of the things I worry about with the generations to come is, will they believe whatever AI tells them? People are asking the why, the who, the how questions of life, but where are they getting their information from? We worship a God who is known and not unknown. And so we need to be sharing about the known God. Paul said, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. If we believe that Jesus is the answer to all the spiritual searching, let's share that with sensitivity. Let's have a boldness about it and a confidence, but do it in a wise way. 
so that people who are searching for meaning and purpose in life can be led on that journey towards the God who loves them to bits. Paul talks about God creating us with a desire to seek him. I like that. Sometimes we talk about the God-shaped hole, don't we, in our hearts. He creates us with that desire to seek him. And in verse 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. How can we help people out of the shadows, allowing the light of Christ to shine through us and praying that the Holy Spirit may be at work? Well, I think our gospel lesson helps us here because our gospel lesson talks about the spirit of truth that we need in a world of fake news. It's the Holy Spirit who the world, it says, cannot accept because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. So it's actually our responsibility, guided by the Spirit, to be so full of the Holy Spirit that we ooze truth and integrity, that we point people to the meaning of life. Jesus said, before long the world will, see me, uh, will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And so today we are his ambassadors in the world. And I believe more than ever, God needs Christians who will live for him, who will show his life by living his lifestyle so that that oozes from us, that people actually will connect with the fact that actually this is life in all its fullness. And it might be that we need to slow down a bit to enable us to spend time with the people that we need to spend time with. There's also a challenge here, I think, to be clear about what we believe. Now, we're all, we know that there's often doubt and there's things that we don't understand, but are we working through our Bible study and through our engaging with God's Word to be clear about what we believe so that we can communicate it? If we'd read further on in this passage, we would have read Acts 17, verse 32. Some sneered at Paul, others said we want to hear you again on this subject but a few became followers of Paul and believed yes people may sneer at us today not everybody will want to embrace what we believe but some will want to hear us again but some will believe it might be hard work, but I think it's worth it for the few. And for the sake of future generations, we need to be about the communicating of integrity and good news and the gospel. With God, all things are possible. And so I want to encourage us to let people look in through the window of our lives, but let us look out, listen, engage and proclaim for the sake of the kingdom. Amen.